Would you please turn with me to Genesis chapter 16 in your Bible? Some of the men yesterday had the privilege of meeting together for a meal and for prayer and also to be encouraged by a testimony. The gentleman who was sharing the testimony shared a story, and stories have a way of sticking with us, don't they? A way of impacting us. He talked about how his wife was in the hospital just very recently, and how he was in the waiting room. The procedure that was scheduled wasn't a very serious procedure, and so his um, atmosphere, his attitude in the waiting room wasn't too bad, kind of light. Then the doctor came in partway into the procedure. And things changed. He said things have gotten more serious now. Several blockages that we have detected. We're going to change what we were going to do and we have to address this immediate need. I wonder if you have had the opportunity to be in the waiting room. To go through the emotions that the human spirit can go through. The struggle of not knowing, the struggle of waiting. Waiting is one of the most difficult tasks that God gives to you and I. I think it's wise in the waiting rooms, in the hospitals, and in the medical buildings that they don't tell us where they're doing the procedure. Usually we're waiting in a room somewhere and there's some activity going on somewhere else. You and I could not fathom someone having a person they care about being operated on. And if they knew where that room was, they walk over to that room and, and kind of just prop the door open and say, you wouldn't mind hurting it up a little bit, would you, to the doctor? That would never happen. And yet sometimes when we're waiting, there's nothing that we can imagine that's worse than what we're going through. Now, before you judge too quickly, let me turn the question to you. Do any of us here like waiting? I don't suspect so. I think in the day that we live in, there's been so many things to remove the misery of waiting from us. Most of us are okay with waiting for a time, as long as we know how long we have to wait. You'll have to wait until Friday. I can do that. You're going to have to wait until 4.30 p.m. I can do that. But to go through waiting in a difficult place and not knowing when it's going to end, that's hard. What we'll see in God's Word today is that just as important as making wise choices in our life is that we make those wise choices at the right time. How many of us have called out to God? that we need strength. And we go right to a common verse that many of you can quote, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. I want you to notice that God doesn't give us the context of how long you have to wait in that verse. When we fast forward to the New Testament, we look at the disciples 
They were with Jesus Christ for the last time. Acts chapter 1 records they were on the mountain. Jesus was there. Jesus gave them some final instruction. And then Jesus floated up into the sky, disappeared behind a cloud. And what were the disciples told to do? They were told to go to Jerusalem and wait. For how long? They weren't told. It is so difficult for us to get to that place where we are able to wait, not be anxious, to wait and trust God. Growing in our faith will demand you and I growing in our waiting. In the Bible, we find repeatedly the command to wait without the context of telling us how long. And you and I are expected to wait with a context. And it's not a context of when the end time is, the expiration date on that waiting. But instead, we are to wait within the context of God's faithfulness. He's never yet failed to keep a promise. I don't think there's any better example in the Bible of a person waiting without a context of how long than the character Abraham. We find in God's Word, Abram waiting. He had been given promises, and I have to believe of the promises of blessing, of the land, and of an heir, I have to believe that waiting for the heir was the most difficult one, at least at this season, in Abram's life. But there is something about you and I waiting on the Lord that builds our strength. And there is also something when we wait on the Lord that reveals weaknesses. That's what we see in the life of Abram today. All that to take us to Genesis chapter 16. Very, very practical lessons for us today. The first lesson that I see from the life of Abram today is that waiting is a common lesson in the school of faith. If you're on this journey with God, He is going to, either the easy way or the hard way, He is going to teach you by making you wait. Now, Abram and Sarai had been waiting for a long time at this point. We'll pick it up in verse number one. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented, prevented me from bearing children. What was their waiting experience like so far? Ten years Now, Sarai already had a problem with conceiving before God called Abram to follow him. So she was already older. She was already wondering if she'd be able to have children. And then the promise of God comes to Abram. You are going to have a child. And the descendants are going to be unnumberable. And when we look at what goes on here, we know that their experience so far had been very difficult. Can you put yourself in in Sarai's sandals today? Possibly month after month wondering, is this going to be the month? And then she comes out and 
talks to her husband. Not this month. Yes, Abram, as a loving husband, goes and looks into her sad eyes. And as a husband, he wants to fix the problem. And he can't fix it. He cannot do anything to help. And Sarai grows older. And he looks into her eyes as she grows sadder. And then she grows more impatient. If you lean into the scriptures, you can almost hear her in the dark of the night whispering to herself, it's not going to happen. It'll never happen. And human reason at this point begins to overshadow the promise of God. And the question for them here is the same question for you and I. Will they allow questions of their heart to overcome their faith? Or will they allow their faith to overcome the questions of the heart? And that takes us to the very next difficult lesson that we see here in their life. Let's pick it up halfway through verse number two. Sarai says to her husband, Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into her, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. They allowed pragmatism to come in. When we say pragmatism, we just mean this is something that worked. They had observed people around them. Those around them were able to have children by allowing one of their handmaids, one of the servants, to become part of that group. And they could have children in that way. And they stop looking at what God had promised and they try to figure out how can we do this on our own. Now for you and I to apply this to ourselves, we must be clear God does not drop notes from the sky for us. God is clear in His Word about so many things, but there are some things that we're just not quite sure about. But if you're confident, if you have a conviction about something in your heart and in your life, that needs to be foundational for you when you make decisions. And so when you come against the struggle of needing possibly a job, And yet you know you have some criteria, you have some values that you don't want to violate. Will you allow your circumstance to override your faith? How about in relationships? Have you had the experience of having a relationship that was shattered? And so often... We, before we get to the situation, know the right thing to do. We know what God has settled in our own heart. And yet when we get to that point of emergency or when we get to that point of not knowing what to do, we will compromise. Never compromise what you know to be true just because you've seen others take that same path. That's exactly what Abram and Sarai do here. 
Abram and Sarai move out on their own. The problem they were facing was waiting. And the solution they agreed upon, self-effort. We need to note that their culture lent itself to this. Hagar was a servant, likely uh, was added to the family when they were in Egypt. She was Sarai's handmaid. And so it would be common for men to have children through multiple women in their day. But let us be clear, Abram knew this was not God's plan. He knew this was not the path that God had for him. The decision was wrong. And how many times have you heard people justify the means so they can get to the right end? We've seen it again and again, haven't we? And it's such a shame that people will have a conviction, they will have a thought, but when they come up against something hard, something difficult that they cannot figure out, they'll say, well, in the end it's going to turn out okay, but we'll just compromise a little right now. And that's why you and I need to make these decisions in advance. We settle in the quiet times our character and what we will do so that when we get to the struggle, we don't have to think about it. Guys, you settle right now. You make a covenant with your eyes before the Lord. And you say, I will never betray the promise that I've made to my spouse, to my wife. And then when the temptation comes, you don't sit there and and weigh the options. It's settled in your heart already. We walk through our values in the easy days so that when the struggles come, we make the right choice. Sarai is clear here. Go into her so that I may obtain children. There's no thought here that Hagar is going to be added to something that is substantial in the family. This is going to be Sarai's child. And the ends do not justify the means. What Abram should have said to his wife when she cried at night, when she whispered under her breath, it seems like it's never going to happen. It's impossible. What Abram should have said to her was, Honey, I know that this promise of God seems impossible. We cannot understand how it's going to work out. But what I know for a fact is impossible is that I can walk in the will of God while being disobedient to God. So many are seeking God's will, and yet they knowingly will continue in some kind of a habit or practice that they know God does not like. And the world around will point you to this. You have to use this. You have to go this direction. They've got all the answers in the world around us apart from a miracle-working God. David faced this peer pressure when he was taking on Goliath. Do you remember what he was pressed to wear when he was going to go fight after Goliath? Do you remember that part of the story? He was going to go on, and they said, okay, come over here into the king's quarters, and we're going to get you all suited up with the armor. Because if you're going to go out and fight this giant, you've got to have the right kind of armor. And David goes and puts on this armor, and he didn't have experience doing that. He didn't have a desire to use that. 
And so he, he sheds that armor off and he says, where's my sling? Because what he needed was his sling and the presence of his God. And you and I today can go through any trial and we can wait if God is calling us to wait as long as we have the presence of our God. So Abram and Sarai, they believed they, believed they were simplifying the situation. They had walked through this. They had waited 10 years. They could not figure out how it was going to work. Let's just, maybe we're overthinking this. Let's just simplify this. It's common that we can use Hagar. We can do that. And they thought they were simplifying the situation. But for those of you who are familiar with the story, is that what they did? Did they simplify things by using Hagar? Oh, goodness. Another lesson we learn here is that the mistake of a moment may have ramifications for years to come. Look at verse 5. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked at me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. I would not want to have been there for that conversation. Verse 6, but Abram said to Sarai, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. And then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. They thought they were simplifying the situation, and instead what they get is disunity. There is chaos in their house, and there's chaos for everybody now. Everybody has problems. What happened with Hagar? What did her heart get filled with? It got filled with pride. There's Sarai. I know Abram loves her, but she's not able to give Abram a child. I've conceived. And you know, looking around, this is a pretty wealthy family. I think this might be a pretty good gig for me. She becomes built up, and she despises Sarai. Now, what happens with Sarai? Well, there's false blame. Very clearly, she goes to Abram, and she's mad at him. She puts the blame on her husband, in effect saying, well, this is another fine mess you've gotten us into, when she was the one that was responsible. Did you find the fault with Abram? So many of us guys are guilty of this. To be passive to a fault. He kind of washed his hands of it. Do you see it there? Do you do what's, whatever's good for you, honey? I'll, I'll be behind you. Men, that's not where you're supposed to be. He's overly passive to a fault. And the wrong choices here lead to lasting repercussions. I think I can probably say with confidence that you can, you can turn on the news today and you can see the repercussions of this very mistake. The baby that was in, Bel- in, in Hagar's belly was Ishmael. 
Ishmael would go on to be the father of the Arabs. The promised child for Abram was going to be Isaac. Isaac would go on to be father of the Jews. And that contention that started with this story thousands of years ago continues on today. There can be ramifications for years to come for a foolish decision made in a moment. How many parents, grandparents have walked through that? That decision that that your kid can make in just the smallest amount of time could affect the rest of their life. We walk by faith and we try to pass on to others. You need to pay attention. Sarai treats her wrongly and she runs away, probably heading back toward Egypt, don't you think? Verses 7 through 16, we find that she runs and there's a beautiful picture here. Uh, We're not going to take time to read it. That can be your homework. But we find a a theophany here, a theophany that's the the theological term for an appearance of God to someone, specifically in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord, not just any angel, the angel of the Lord, God himself appears to Hagar here, and he gives her some instruction, and he gives her a promise. The instruction, I want you to go back and submit yourself to Sarai. I'll take care of Sarai. You go back and submit yourself. The promise, you're going to have a son, and he's going to have so much offspring. And it describes him a little bit there too. And so you and I, we see the situation of this couple. And it's not that decisions made in the moment can't be good. We have already seen Abram when he found out that Lot was taken prisoner and the, and the kings and the cities. Immediately he acted and it was a right decision. So it's not that we always have to take time and think things through. Oftentimes we do better when we think things through. But Abram responded before with, a wonderful, uh, with wonderful action. And now he finds himself responding in a terrible way. What can you and I do with a story like this? You must allow your faith to overshadow, to wipe out, to knock down the doubts and the questions that are guaranteed to come in your life. Because God knows your situation. You study God's word. You learn of him. You see his faithfulness to all these brothers and sisters that we will meet someday. And then you walk the journey. And then you step out there into the unknown. And sometimes when you're in such a bad way, he says, be still. Wait, but know that I am God. God knows your financial problems. God knows your past failures. God knows the thing that you are most scared of in the upcoming days. He knows it. He knows you better than you know yourself. He's been faithful through the years, and He will be faithful until we no longer struggle having to wait.
But in the waiting room of our life, what we know about God will change from something that we simply read on a page to a season that we walked through with our God. God allows you and He allows me to wait. And along the way, we're not alone. And we get through that season. And I wish I can tell you, just hang on till next Friday and it'll be over. Or I wish I could tell you, just wait till 2.45. That's all the longer you have to wait. God does not tell us to hang on to a time or to a date, and that's all we have to hang on for. But the context of our waiting is based on the faithfulness of a God who has been there for every breath and every heartbeat of every one of His children who He has a plan for. Don't be afraid of the waiting room because you're not alone. Would you pray with me? Gracious Father, what a blessing it is to study the the characters that you used so long ago. We do not celebrate Abraham's failure today. We do not rejoice and make ourselves feel a little bit better because this big shot messed up. But God, we do learn from from his mistake. It is recorded for us. You have not disguised the, the warts and the failures of those you've used. They were real people. Abram was a real person, just like me, just like all hearing this message at this moment. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you were bigger than he was. We thank you that just because there was a failure, a foolish choice, it did not throw everything off as far as your plan was uh, concerned. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask the piano to play through softly. This is a chance for you to pray. God knows what you are afraid of. God knows your past failures and he knows where you're going to trip up in the future. But God is with you. Take a moment to pray. Maybe God's got you waiting right now and you're not sure how you're not sure how much longer you can take it. Lean on him. We know that we are not alone while we wait because of the work done by Jesus Christ on the cross. It could be there's someone hearing this today and they've never come to Jesus Christ. They've never accepted Jesus as their savior and redeemer. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Sin came into the world in the garden with Adam and Eve. And because of that, all mankind is separated from God. But Jesus made a way for us to have fellowship once again. You and I are forgiven, are made holy because of the work done by Christ on the cross. And all we have to do is receive it. All you have to do is ask for forgiveness. And he promises to forgive. Even in the quietness of this moment, you can pray to God. Ask him to forgive your sin.